0: Man, Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 452. It is just me and Jason. We are going to cover the red-blue narrative in a more updated fashion. The last time we did this was episode 283. We did lift a couple of important points from that episode. Uh, How many of you out there remember Norman Montague? Hint, hint, hint. We're going to cover that because it's important and it's also a proof. There are a lot of these things, things in this world that people can argue about. This isn't really one of them. And yet it gets argued about. Basically, the red blue spell is among the most powerful that I'm aware of in the modern era. And before we jump in with Jason, let's actually ask a question. Does anyone out there truly know what the word liberal means or the word conservative? If you take the meaning of the word separated from the political ideas, this is what you'll find. And this is kind of disturbing too. Words need to have meaning. And I'm finding more and more that when I jump online to define a word, if I go to three places, sometimes I get slightly three versions that are slightly different. That should not be the way of things. There should be an agreed meaning. Words should have an agreed meaning. That's why I always go back to dictionaries from the 50s. Anyhow, this is the world according to Webster. And you can look it up yourself. You'll probably find some differences. The word liberal of or relating to or based on the liberal arts, a liberal education. This, of course, is referring back to an era when things like uh, the trivium and quadrivium were part of the seven liberal arts means something much different than it does to most people today. The next it's archaic for Benef- befitting a man of free birth. How many people out there would have thought that liberal has anything to do with befitting a man of free birth? Next, marked by generosity, open handedness, a liberal giver. And lastly, for the word liberal, broad minded, especially not bound by authoritarianism, orthodoxy, or traditional forms. Now let's jump over to conservative. And again, what was interesting about looking up both these words is of the two conservative was more heavily tied to political ideas. And I'm after what the word means, not what the political party says it means. So here we go. Conservative of or constituting a party of the United Kingdom advocating support of established institutions. This is the only one that I let bleed into political ideas because I was not aware that this was pulled from the UK ideas Two, tending or disposed to maintaining existing views, conditions, and institute of institutions, traditional conservative policies. Next, marked by moderation or cautious or a conservative estimate. And lastly, marked by or relating to traditional norms of taste, elegance, style, and manner. And I think it's important that we start to go back and figure out what the words that are being bandied about actually mean. Because what I find is when words get co-opted by groups, they begin to mean something entirely different. And I would ask a simple question. Is it normal for a human being in the world to say, I'm conservative, and then automatically be conservative, cautious, estimating, as the definition I just read, in all the things they do? or is it more likely that an individual would go back and forth and sometimes be neutral and sometimes be much more giving and open and liberal and sometimes be much more cautious and conservative depending on what part of life they're dealing with i would suggest to you that from my point of view it would for me it would depend on the situation i might be with my money conservative i might be in some other part of my life more giving and liberal and compassionate i'm just saying Um, These boxes that have been put around us, what I call the red-blue spell, is a hell of a thing. And it's almost like people agreeing to box themselves in to certain ideas. And then it gives power to someone once we've boxed ourselves in. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a beautiful good morning. So we did this a long, long time ago. And based on what we see in the world, I think it's important to do it again. Um, If I could estimate things that would really help right now, being selfless and service to others, uh, being the best you can be, not being skewed or, or wooed or conned into becoming parts of groups who have an organized operation. To me, what this era is about, it's the individual. And the way I look at it is, hey, man, when they started doing all the shots, was that a group effort or was that an individual agreement? You either did it or you didn't by yourself, mostly it's not true for everyone and i think we need to see the individual begin to rise up and try to apply the best of what they can bring to the world because let's face it uh this red blue narrative's been going on my whole lifetime look where it's brought us just to make a blunt point but anyhow where would you like to jump in
1: so as we're recording this we're right before a big election the midterm elections in the united states and a lot of people seem to think that things are going to swing back the other direction from the way they have been the past few years. So I guess we'll see if that makes any change this time, because that's the whole point of the red blue narrative, isn't it?
0: Well, it's a good point, Jason. As a matter of fact, I had forgot to mention, good thing you brought that up, on the 8th of November, which in fact is election day, or let's be more precise, polling day. There's a big difference between an election and a poll. On polling day, there will be a full lunar eclipse, for some parts of the United States and other parts of the world. From my point of view, what an eclipse does, since I can't do any better and I can't know certainly what all the ancients thought for sure, although many of them do, the light is being blocked. That's what's happening. So I try to boil it down. So on the day of this polling, and I forget, Jason, I actually took the time to actually look at something political, which I never do. It's 400 and something seats, I think, more than that are going to shift. What I view that as is it's a chessboard. And guess what? The people holding the pieces ain't you and me. So let's jump in.
1: A two-party system is a political party system in which two major political parties consistently dominate the political landscape. This is what we have with the red-blue narrative in the United States, and we have for a very long time. At any point in time, one of the two parties will typically hold a majority in the legislature, which is referred to as the majority or governing party. The other side is the minority or opposition party. These two will constantly change back and forth, giving the illusion of things actually changing. A leading theory that is known as Diverger's Law states that two parties are a natural result of a winner-take-all voting system. The real answer is more likely that it is far easier to dominate a two-party system and always have control over top players in the game.
0: There it is, man. What are we talking about here, folks? Let's be honest. Are we talking about what can we do to govern the best we can? And what does government mean, by the way? Everyone knows what govern means. Meant always means mind. So basically, the word means to control your mind, just to be blunt about it. But in this system... It's almost guaranteed that half of the country is going to be unhappy, right? They've created the Chargers and the Raiders. Two teams are going at it. One team's going to win. The other team is not going to be happy. That's how this has been queued up. And this is not sports. This is supposed to be governing for the majority of a nation looking to do better and better. And that is not what we see. So right out of the gate, we can understand that half, roughly half of the nation will always be unhappy. How how can this be anything but a controlled narrative? By the way, for those that are as old as dirt like I am, how many can remember Ross Perot? Remember Ross Perot? Oh, finally, we're going to get a third party. Recently, I did some looking into Ross Perot. Insider baseball. His connections to things like Iran, hostages, and other things. And at the point where he was in San Diego when I was younger, Every mall you went to, the whole parking lot was full of vote, Perot. People were so excited to finally have a third party. What came of it? Of course, what came of it? He dropped out of the race. What was the excuse? I don't even remember. His daughter, something to do with his daughter's wedding or some other nonsense? Uh, this is a control mechanism. The red-blue narrative has always been a control me- mechanism. And we are going to reiterate here shortly how we know that's true.
1: The United States Constitution mentions nothing on the subject of political parties. The Founding Fathers did not originally intend for American politics to be partisan. In Federalist Papers No. 9 and number no. 10, Alexander Hamilton and James Madison, respectively, wrote specifically about the dangers of having domestic political factions. In addition, the first president of the United States, George Washington, was not a member of any political party at the time of his election or throughout his tenure as president. Washington hoped that political parties would not be formed, for he feared conflict and stagnation as outlined in his farewell address. The founders did not seem to believe in political parties and seemed to think that their existence had evil consequences.
0: Oh, there's a lot that could be delved into here, but I think it's pretty plain on the face of it. Uh, If you create a partisan atmosphere, you're going to have people fighting. And by the way, that very premise is why we got the red blue narrative. Uh, The bankers did it. And we will show you which bankers, we will show you why they did it. And we will read verbatim from the speech that was given to the bankers, basically saying why they did it. Um, In a real world, where people are actually trying to do something better to help, to be positive, to advance. This is not the way. And we've been so inured by this that all we know how to do anymore is turn on cable news uh, for the side that we play for. are you a charger today or are you a Raider today? Guess what? Only one e is gonna win and you are going to fight a never ending fight till the end of time as long as there are two parties. And I'll ask a simple question. I'm nearly 60. In my lifetime, I cannot point to a significant upturn, positive governance that did something big and positive for our country. What I can point to is milestone after milestone after milestone, flushing us down the toilet, privatization of medical. So now it's for profit, taking us off the gold standard, stacking the government with the trilateral commission it goes on and on and on. Jason?
1: The one thing I have noticed as I've gotten older is that when I was younger, the parties didn't seem to matter as much. But these days, there actually seems to be a much bigger divide between the two. And it seems to be that it's working towards the whole divide and conquer tactics, I guess you could say, more so because of the differences.
0: I agree. And what you see, if you go back in time, I remember a clip, I think it was at the Oscars, where John Wayne, you know, John Wayne, everyone's favorite cowboy from back in the day. In those times, this country was more respectful of one another and more genteel. And I remember this because John Wayne got up and he said, Well, my guy didn't win. And he made a little pun and he said, But we're all on the same team here. And I wish the guy who did win all the best. I don't remember who the presidents were. I want to say maybe Reagan, maybe it's Nix I don't remember. It's been so long since I've seen it. But the point is, that's far, far away from where we are today. You're never going to see someone get up at the Oscars and do anything more than throw a punch at the other side that they're not down with. And of course, since we know Hollywood usually plays the liberal side of things, it's just a rigged game, all of it.
1: So this next point we've gone over before, but it absolutely must be understood. The following is from the book, *Crystallizing Public Opinion, by Edward Bernays. In chapter one, which is titled, Organizing Chaos, he states, The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested, largely by men that we have never heard of. Our invisible governors are, in many cases, unaware of the identity of their fellow members in the
0: inner cabinet. What more does anyone really need to be told of all the episodes we've done? I don't know, Jason, if you agree with this, but when I think back on everyone we've covered, I'm not sure I can come up with a name that changed reality more than Edward Bernays. And just to be clear, Edward Bernays is the double nephew of Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung's work was used by the inner circle to start to learn how to hack the human mind. And what do you think Bernays was working with to figure out how to implement things like, how do I get all the women in this country to smoke? How do I make everybody start gaining weight because I need them to eat breakfast that's fattening? which was never done before. There's so many things. What do you think, Jason? Can you think of an individual that we've covered who has changed the nature of reality more than Bernays?
1: No one that I know of certainly didn't influence the entirety of the 20th century the way he did, not one single individual.
0: So let's ask the simple question. What the hell has Bernays got to do with governance? He's a marketing man, right? See what's going on here? Listen to this. The consciousness and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in the democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute the invisible government, the true ruling power. I mean, I don't really think we need to say anything else here. The
1: supposed role of a political party is to run candidates for various positions in political office. While this may be a bit less corrupt on the local level, but of course you never really know, once you get into the large scale of things, the person who will follow orders and push the desired agendas from things higher up will most likely be the chosen candidate. That person may also have the most charisma and personality to help with the overall deception of the public and make the desired agendas be accepted by more of the public than a different candidate, but this doesn't always seem to be the case. Current situation being a great example of this.
0: Well, and then whoever does win is basically really only working for roughly half of the people out there, depending on where you are in the country. But you still have a right, by the way, to go in and to, what's it called? Basically, you go into the polling place and you say, give me all the receipts. I want to validate them. I forget what it's called. You have this right. When electronic machines first came in from, I think it was Diebold. I don't remember. I think we did an episode on it. A lady did this in a number of places and they weren't even close. The tickets coming out of the electronic machines were nowhere near the actual receipts for a poll that had been given. This is part of the point. There's so many different ways to manipulate this. And down at the local level, There is a slight difference because sometimes the people do have a hand in raising up certain people. But the point is, once you get up to a certain level, you start going towards the state, you're either approved to play ball or you are not. It's that simple. And if we think we vote in this country, we need to wake up. I don't know how many times I've said this, but your voting is not voting per se. You're going to a polling place and you're being polled. Basically what's trying to be pulled off and it's not that hard with cable news anymore is you want the polling to basically match whatever cable news is going to say and therefore the outcome of the so-called election In the more important elections. It is the electoral college that is the underhanded manipulation that seats the individual. And that is completely independent and separate from any idea of voting And there used to be lists published online about where America, as an example, stood in the running for democratic nations. Put it this way, it was way down the list. And I mean, way down the list. And people never bothered to take a look.
1: Checking the other party. This is the illusion that the current party that does not hold the majority in Congress will work to keep the party in power from taking complete control. Party leaders will often publicly criticize actions of a president who was elected by the opposite party. This has devolved into a literal bitch fest in the current day, with outright animosity being regularly flung between opposing members.
0: What does this have to do with governance for the people, for making decisions that are helpful, that are beneficial to the millions of people living here? It's the exact opposite of that. We don't give a damn what the issues are. We don't give a damn what might help or what might not help. What we want is to hold the majority. We want to hold power. What more needs to be said here? Is there any version of what I said that is wrong? Think about what is being said here. They are working to hold power. They are not working to try to make things better. Um, and, and you know, with a whole lifetime behind us, I don't even... Sometimes it confuses me why we even have to have this conversation, because where we are now was paved for by where we were then, by those people who were supposedly governing.
1: We also live in an era where our politicians are on Twitter saying really stupid things, and then you're seeing the red-blue divide either support that particular person or attack
0: that particular person. It's uh, really a total clown show these days. It's totally Bernaysian. It, it's totally Sigmund Freud mind hacking. What I have seen in my last 20, 30 years of life is that the wholesale lowering of the human mind. Even to the point where one guy who's a talk show host, who's later going to be president, says to the current president, You're lying about your birth certificate. Well, I got news for you. In the Constitution and other places, there are very, very plainly laid out rules about what has to be true for someone to run for that position. So how is it this became a months, if not years-long narrative fight back and forth? What's going on there? Clearly, no one's trying to figure out if this dude can produce a birth certificate, which he never does, by the way. You know why? Because he's a CIA asset. Now, the other guy who was a talk show host later runs his campaign from the very damn set that he ran his talk show out of. And America just thinks, oh, this is okay. How did we come to be so far away from what would help us? What would be better for the majority of us? Because that is a million miles away from helping. Informing the public.
1: Parties will take a stand on various issues and criticize the points of view of the opposing party. Their discussions will be well-publicized, supposedly to help inform citizens about important issues and present alternative ways of solving societal problems. This also helps immensely with the divide-and-conquer tactics that are used on the public on a regular basis.
0: You know what this kind of reminds me of? I was doing research on the Committee of 300. I've been going back and forth with Tavistock, and I was interested in how early the truth about the Beatles got published. And what's interesting is it was stated outright in the 80s that they were a product of Tavistock, that they didn't write their music. They named the man who did write their music. But what they basically said was the plan was to popularize the music in a way to fool the young minds into thinking they liked the music. (laughs) You get what I just said there? So eventually everyone's been so exposed to this and there's been so much hype. They're convinced this is their favorite music of all time when the people who put it out know damn well who made it that way. They made it that way and they did it by hacking your mind and they did it by owning the media and, you know, just kind of swamping all outlets with the same thing over and over and over. And I always wonder if that was a test run for what we see in American politics now. I mean, what do you think, Jason?
1: Well, they could have been trying to figure out what do we have to do to make sure that the majority of the people will believe whatever it is that we're pushing?
0: You know, I still remember I was just about to leave my first job in an internet startup the first time I ever heard the name Barack Obama. Never seen him, never heard of him. There was some picnic or something I don't remember that he was speaking at, and I remember the words on the news. They echoed in my head. And here's this promising new senator that might go the all the way someday. First time I ever heard him, those were the words that were coupled with his images. I'm just saying, it has nothing to do with what's best for the nation. It has nothing to do with anything else than control. The parties themselves, completely involved in control. The people who run the parties, completely involved in control. The people above that, who you'll never hear about, completely involved in control. It's just now control of everything everywhere instead of just a country or two or three.
1: I remember Obama coming literally out of nowhere and all of a sudden being propped up in this massive way,
0: literally like he was placed there. But that couldn't be right. He was placed there. As a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say he's probably a CIA asset, and I would go so far as to say that they would never have found the birth certificate on him had they ever bothered to simply follow the rules that are laid forth in the Constitution and other places about what has to be true for someone to run and hold that position. But look where we are now. We've had actors. We've had probable CIA assets. We've had game show hosts or you know, reality TV show. It's it's beyond the pale. And some of the people have done things like they want to trademark the, the phrase, you're fired. So, wait a minute. Someone who wants to trademark the word, you're fired, is a good man to put in charge of people who have to work to pay their rent everywhere in this nation. I'm just saying, it, it's not one side or the other. You can rip the scab off any side in, in between, and you have been able to for all time. To this day, in my mind, one of the most damaging things that ever happened to politics, which fast tracked our downward slide, which was already happening, was Ronald Reagan, openly a Hollywood actor being touted as the new tough guy in town and put in office openly, everybody knowing he was an actor, not being able to work out in their minds, how the hell if we, do we ever know if this guy's telling the truth or if he's acting? It was so blown up that the Iran hostage crisis was going on. And the president we had, which was a weenie, of course, who couldn't do anything, by the way, that man stacked more trilateral commission people in government than anyone ever has. That would be Jimmy Carter, couldn't get the hostage situation, couldn't even land choppers in a desert without killing our own people. They let the hostages go the moment it was known that Reagan, which was also being called Rambo after Rambo because he was so tough, took office. That's global kind of storytelling and situation manipulation. But at the end of the day, everybody said it was okay for an actor to hold the highest office, supposedly the highest office. How could we have fallen so far?
1: Organizing the government. Congress and the state legislatures are organized according to party affiliations. Legislative representatives usually support their party's position when considering potential laws and policies, and most votes will fall roughly along the party lines, although occasional differences will occur. Virtually all candidates who run for public office with a party label are supposed to define their behavior with what the given party
0: publicly stands for. If you go back and you scrutinize some of the big deal people that that they used to try to make it look like, oh, you're really voting for people. What was the guy's name? He was an actor with um, the governor. What was Arnold Schwarzenegger, another actor from a different nation who holds office in the eighth largest economy in the world called California. That actor worked with another actor named Jesse Ventura. Pretty sure that's not his birth name, who somehow or other runs for an independent and... You know, they use that to say, oh, how could this ever have happened? I'll tell you how it happened. He was approved. That's how it happened. And then he's later going to go on UFO shows and all these other things. It's beyond the pale that anyone buys this narrative. It used to be in a more sane era that actors were not allowed to hold public position because they were known to be duplicitous. To say that in English, we can't tell. If they're telling the truth or they're acting, therefore, they cannot hold an important position. Not kidding. Look it up. And this
1: next point, once again, we've gone over before, but it is critical to understand what is being said here. In 1924, Montague Norman, governor of the Bank of England, addressed the United States Bankers Association in New York, saying, quote, capital must protect itself in every possible way, both by combination and legislation. Debts must be collected, mortgages foreclosed as rapidly as possible. When, through process of law, the common people lose their homes, they will become more docile and more easily governed through the strong arm of the government applied by a central power of wealth under leading financiers." These truths are well-known among our principal men, who are now engaged in forming an imperialism to govern the world. By dividing the voter through the political party system, we can get them to expend their energies in fighting for questions of no importance. It is thus by discrete action we can secure for ourselves that which has been so well-planned and so successfully accomplished. This quotation was reprinted in the Idaho Leader USA on August 26, 1924, and has also been read into the Australian Federal Hansard twice by John Evans, MP in 1926, and by M.D. Cowan, MP in the session of 1930 to 31, which should tell you how important it is, right?
0: If I was going to say the most important thing I could say in this episode, I would say back up Right now, rewind and listen to the paragraph Jason just read. Listen, Montague Norman was the governor of the Central Bank of England. That was the central bank where it did the part of the modeling of our central bank. I think everybody out there listening knows that we went to hell in a handbasket the moment we got a central bank. For that matter, any country who ever got a central bank was suddenly in a tough position, a very tough position. Why? Because the house always wins and they are the house. He openly gave this speech in 1924 to the bankers of this country, and he says things like, whenever there's a chance to foreclose, we got to foreclose immediately. We've got to protect our money with the government legislating any way we can. That money must be protected through the strong arm of government applied by a central power of wealth under the leading financiers who are now engaged in forming an imperialism to wait for it govern the world ding 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 here we are 2020 here's the fast track here's the run they're coming down the home stretch 2020 they are coming down the home stretch and we were told the damn truth in 1924 it's been read into a number of records as jason said this is it in plain english the red blue mind spell was invented by bankers or at least implemented by bankers so that they could get the populace to fight about stuff that doesn't matter while they financed and took over basically the world at this point. What more do you ever need to hear in your life to get away from the red-blue mind spell? What more would anyone ever need to hear? Just saying.
1: The following are three mainstream reasons as to why a two-party system is a good thing. The first one, consensus of values. It is easy to complain about petty bickering between Democrats and Republicans. What we sometimes forget is that Americans share a broad consensus or agreement of many basic political values. Both parties believe in liberty, equality, and individualism. Neither overall advocates that the Constitution be discarded. Both parties are supposed to accept the election process and concede defeat to the winners. This has been happening Less and less as the years have gone by, and in these days, I don't know if that's quite true anymore.
0: I I mean, come on, let's just ask a simple question. We don't need to overthink this. Have we ever been more divided in the lifetime of anyone listening here? I'm an old man now, and I can't remember ever seeing more division than I see now. And from my point of view, a lot of that is based on politics. I'm just saying. I mean, what other questions could we ask to determine the validity of what's being laid down here as they try to defend their two-party system? And don't forget our opening statements about the third party they ran out and everybody was so excited. And then all of a sudden all that crumbled because it too was insider baseball. What control hates is diversity, complexity. And so what has to happen for control to happen is fewer people need to be around and they need to be a lot more the same. Where there used to be 10 brands of toilet paper on the supermarket shelf, now there needs to be one or two. Where there used to be 100 different colors of cars, now there need to be five or six. Complexity is the enemy. Diversity is the enemy of control. And so what is a two-party system? It's as basic as you can get because anything more basic is a one-party system.
1: The second point, historical influence. The United States began with two political parties that were known as the Federalists and the Democratic Republicans. During early American history, politicians tended to take sides. This started with the debate over the Constitution and continuing with the disagreements between two of George Washington's cabinet members, Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson. This tendency has persisted throughout American history. The difference today is that while in the past, legitimate debates might be had, with valid points being made by opposing sides, things today do not even remotely resemble
0: anything of the sort. And it's actually worse because we have no idea what our history is the further we go back, but I'm going to ask everybody listening, who was the first president? (laughs) Care to take a stab at it, Jason? We we did this in an episode. We did. Yeah, everybody knows George Washington was the first president, but that's not true, is it, Jason? He
1: was the first president of the newly minted United States with the Constitution. However, before the Constitution, the United States, or the colonies, ran off of something called the Articles of Confederation. And if my memory is correct, we had... 10 presidents under the Articles of Confederation.
0: I was going to say 10 or 12, that the George, good old George, father of the nation, was actually the 10 or the 12. I'll settle on 10 with you. I know it's in the ballpark, but how is it that that isn't commonly known? And how is it that all our schools tout him as the father? He's the first. No, shouldn't we go to the beginning? <laughs> I'm just saying, shouldn't we go to the beginning and know our history Even the historical narrative is trying to bend our minds away from what actually happened. If I had to venture a guess, it's probably because there were human beings alive back then who had value for human life, for liberty, for freedom. Liberty is not even the right word there, by the way. Um, I'm just saying uh, they whitewashed away. How long did we make it? You know, I I was speaking with Fortune the other day. It was like we'd lost everything by 1881. And so supposedly 1776, everyone knows what it means. And it seems like there were people who truly had freedom at heart and things like this. We didn't even make it a hundred years. Where would you stamp it, Jason? I know a lot of people like to say 1881, but I think it's much earlier than that. We didn't even make it a hundred years.
1: Well, if you want to be literal about it, I don't think the United States as it was created made it past the civil war. Things were restructured at that point. And I'm, I'm pretty okay with that. Uh, there were a lot of arguments beforehand, especially with the whole central bank thing where they kept trying to force their way into the United States and do what they've ended up doing, which is completely taken over.
0: Well, there's another thing, you know, this is the same. If you look at the civil war, what do you have? You have again, two sides, go listen to the KL episodes. These are some of the most stark reality episodes that can be backed up with history, with things people are doing now that proves it's true. You want to know how I know? Because I did it. It's true. I got a freaking call from my bank the other day asking me if I had everything I needed. And I was like having a time warp. I'm all, wait a minute. I haven't taken LSD, have I? Because I feel like I'm in the 1970s. An institution is calling me to see if I've got everything I need. This doesn't feel right anymore. Well, why was that going on? Because what KL said was true. That's why it's going on. And so they have their two sides back in the Civil War. And what happens? People have been told the narrative that it's wholly about slavery and other things. But there are so many balls in motion to include the entirety of debt and banking and financial concerns. That's really what was driving it. And do we need to say, Jason, what did we lose in 1933? Here we are reading all these things, how the political parties still like their constitution, but how many times do we have to cover it? According to the authorities, the constitution does not apply to you. <laughs> you know? You're know, you an enemy combatant as of, what was it, Jason, 1933, I think?
1: Well, the big divide happened in 1871 with the creation of the uh, Washington, D.C. officialdom as a corporate entity and all that. And then it just, one thing after another, the creation of the Federal Reserve in 1913. And then by 1933, we have the final nail in the coffin with the birth certificates and all that where we're just corporate identities. So yeah, it was a, a long plan that uh, unfolded as the way they wanted it to. And, and here we are.
0: So let's make a critical point. How did that happen? Well, I can take a shot at how it happened. I can give you an educated point of view. Doesn't mean I'm right but try to poke holes in it. These things were done. These things were legislated. These official operations were carried out and no one said, stop. I have God-given rights, not down with it. That's the basis of it. You want to know how I know that? Because here all the way up in the 2020s, I took the time to say, stop. I'm not okay with this. I have God-given rights. And I have dealt with that for myself because I don't have control of anyone else. And so basically what's gone on here is we were granted all these things. Part of it was legislation in the early country. Part of it was because we were born and we had the divine spark and the creator granted us things, but cleverly, insidiously, little things were done along the way, which began to separate us for the simple act of omittance. In other words, we gave our tacit permission because we didn't do a damn thing to stop it. And half the time, we didn't even know what was going on because we didn't bother to look. Just saying. That's what politics is about.
1: The winner-take-all system. The single most important reason given for a two-party system is the winner-take-all electoral system. In contrast to systems with proportional representation, the winner in American elections is the one who receives The largest number of votes. The winner does not need to have more than 50%, but only one vote more than his or her opponents. If a third party receives 15% of the vote for every contested Senate seat, that party wins zero seats in the United States Senate. Consequently, one of the two major parties will almost always win a plurality, and third parties are completely shut out of national offices with only
0: extremely rare exceptions. Why would that be? Because the people above that can do whatever they want. They just paint it a little bluer when the Democrats are in charge, and they paint it a little redder. But both sides are always coming forward to the same end. And if you can't recognize that, I can't think of a more brilliant way to deduce it. But I will ask a simple question. Back in 1924, when Mike Montague Norman, a banker, the governor of the central bank that our bank was being modeled on, Who in the hell was he to make any statement, being from a central bank, being from another country, who in the hell was he to have anything to say about the politics or the the political parties of this country? You getting what I'm laying down here? The House always wins. And at that point, he's representing the House. So who would participate in the politics that is allowing the House to shuffle the cards in any direction they want? Anyhow.
1: The concept of a two-party political system has existed in the United States from pretty much the beginning. Today, they are known as the Republicans and the Democrats. While other parties do exist, they have little influence in national politics, although they have at times had some of their representatives elected to smaller positions, which would usually be on a local level. The main parties are represented by their respective animals and colors, as well as references to being on the right or the left This, of course, helps with the divide and conquer tactics, since quite often a person's political affiliations are worn as a badge of honor, and you will almost always know what their stance will be on numerous political points without even asking.
0: You know, when I was younger in the 1970s, I remember the first time my father informed me that you don't talk about politics or religion in public because it will just start an argument. And I thought that was funny to hear at the time. But looking back, people kept whatever they thought politically to themselves. And on a social level, they got along so much better than we're doing. But how is it? Let's put this together. Why is there a color assigned? Why is there an animal, a logo, the idea of wait for it, right and left? This is basic magic. This is basic mind-bending magic. And if you look carefully at the things in the world that control us subconsciously, they almost all have colors. They almost all have logos. After all, does anyone ever realize when they're driving by fast food places, the vast majority of them have the colors red and yellow? Does anyone know why that is? Because the purpose of that is to get you in, eat as quick as you can, and get the hell out. And somewhere along the line, they worked out that red and yellow serve this agenda. And I'm not even kidding you. Look it up.
1: Now, another thing might be that it's easier to manipulate people when they've got something to lock onto. So by having that color that they can accept as their own and that animal that they can look at as that's our guys and that kind of thing, it's kind of like sports teams, isn't it?
0: Well, it is, Jason. It's exactly like that. But I'll take it more arcane. I'll take it more back to a time when we were in a much better position as individuals in terms of freedom and respect for living things and one another. Red is masculine. Therefore, its polarity is positive. Therefore, it assimilates more closely with the idea of right. Blue is feminine. Therefore, its polarity is negative. Therefore, its affinity assimilates more accurately most of the time on the left. These are basic alchemical ideas, and while they are not all-encompassing, do you see where the magic is coming from when these things are done? Um, when you really start to get in, it's quite it's quite overwhelming to see uh, high level places doing logos and colors. And like, what would be an example? Netflix, maybe. How did they come by that red? That is the Netflix red. Well, I guarantee you there is a high powered marketing team somewhere who came to that color of red. I don't know how far I can imply the Tavistockian ideas, but it really doesn't matter because all the big think tanks in this country were trained by Tavistock. My father, who was the most honest man I ever knew in my life, he would lose money to ensure himself that he had done the correct thing and he was not a rich man. He lived on a teacher's wage. I learned that out of school, right before he started to put the family together, he did a, uh, what do you call it when a, when a corporation hires you freelance? I can't think of the name. The place he did is actually outlined. The company he worked for is outlined as being directly trained by Tavistock and under the influence of the Committee of 300. And I remember my jaw dropped as I read it, the Kettering Foundation. It was. If my dad would have known what I know now, I don't even know, man. He would have flipped out because his whole thing in life was to do what was right and do it right. The first time he never had any idea who the Kettering Foundation was. People with big degrees get get hired to do papers and thinking for them. But uh, my mind was blown because I knew One of the most honest men I've ever known in my life, and somehow he had worked for this place, which I now know to be Tavistock-trained lackeys that are doing damage to the world right now. I'm just saying, that's how insidious this is.
1: Political factions, or parties as we call them today, began to form during the struggle over ratification of the federal constitution of 1787. Friction between them increased as attention shifted from the creation of a new federal government to the question of how powerful that federal government should be. The Federalists, led by Secretary of the Treasury Alexander Hamilton, wanted a strong central government. The Anti-Federalists, led by Secretary of State Thomas Jefferson, advocated states' rights instead of significant centralized power. Federalists coalesced around the commercial sector of the country while their opponents drew their strength from those favoring an agrarian society.
0: There it is. The Federalists coalesced around, wait for it, commerce. Let's call it what it is. Commercial sector. We're talking about commerce. Now, back where I live now, this this was my grandparents' house until my mom and dad inherited it. When they died, I had to buy this house. When this house first came to be, the taxes here in this little township were only levied against commerce. Now it's levied against everyone all the time. But back in this time, most of the taxing and money drawn in that way was coming from the commercial sector or wait for it commerce. As a matter of fact, if you wanted to think about our driver's licenses, if you're not doing commerce, then technically you wouldn't need one. Although I don't recommend you try to drive without a driver's license because everyone knows what will happen. But the point is, is we technically don't have to have it. So you can see what's gone on here. And what were the Federalists doing? They were circling around commerce. I mean, if we were going to try to divide this up, Jason, I don't even know if I can. If we were going to try to say what would be the red idea, what would be the blue idea back then? And currently we would think of commerce as red, but it's actually almost the opposite because the agrarian society would be the the thing that everyone's used to, um, the etiquette that everyone's used to, that would almost be the red idea. It's just trippy how it goes back and forth at will, and no one ever seems to notice. Well, that's happened, I think, multiple times over the past couple of centuries. It has. And I've noticed a lot of times, like with Reagan, he was a Republican. He was the red guy. What they did is they put a movie out called Rambo. It was world famous. Then they said There used to be T-shirts of Ronald Reagan's head on a buff body with an M60 machine gun. And it said Ronbo. And this was going everywhere. The bumper stickers were everywhere. They painted him as a tough guy. And Hollywood was there to help. And those were conservative ideas, were tough military guys. So, so much so that the whole world knew it. Because the day he takes office, these guys holding hostages, oh, we better let them go. Tough guy's in office now. Not the weenie peanut farmer who's been stacking the government for all time. With some of the worst people you can ever imagine, it's all just a shell game, all of it. And you're right, it does go back and forth. Right now, it's actually morphing. It started to morph a lot during the Bush Jr. administration. There was all of a sudden these ideas of neocon and these other things, and the the traditional ideas of what was what were starting to blur a little bit.
1: And for the last point for hour one, George Washington was not a member of a political party during his presidency. The two-party control mechanism began right after his time in office. What is called the first-party system by historians is a model of American politics used to periodize the political party system that existed in the United States between roughly 1792 and 1824. Both parties originated in national politic arenas, but quickly expanded their influence to every state, seeking supporters and, of course, voters. The Federalists are said to have appealed to the business community, while the Republicans to the planters and farmers. By 1796, every state was nearly monopolized by these two parties, with party newspapers and caucuses becoming especially effective
0: tools to mobilize voters. Or another way to say that is those being polled, anyhow. We're in a weird spot now because although when we look back in time, we know there was control mechanisms above the so-called president who was supposed to be the most powerful man in the world. It's not out of sight anymore. It's in your face. Who has more power, Amazon or the federal government, Google or the federal, you know, it's been put in your face that corporate concerns have so much control of technology and so much money at their disposal that government is starting to look like a flea in comparison. So I'm just saying, when we get sucked into these political ideas, we can show you the man who brought it to this country in 24 and stated openly the truth. If you get involved in this, we're going to warp your mind while we take everything over. If you look at it as an individual, how can it be that you'll join a party and inherit everything they tell you is true instead of looking at your own family and looking at your own life and making the decisions that are best for you, regardless of some damn color or animal someone has placed on it. This is the, the cross in the road that we've reached, but now we're really in a tough place because it's openly being shown that corporations have a hell of a lot of sway in this world. What would you add, Jason?
1: So again, we're here at a point before what's probably going to be another majority sweep of the political system, and uh, it's the 4th of November. We'll see how much changes uh, in the next few weeks as we record more episodes. I'm I'm curious to see just how many people will think that if indeed, I think they're calling it a red wave, meaning that a lot of Republicans are going to get elected, if it actually does anything to change anything, which of course I seriously doubt it.
0: Well, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. I'm the the last guy to ask about politics, and I think I even stated the wrong day for the vote. I think I said the eighth, and I just heard you say the fourth. Point is, there is an eclipse on the eighth, and that does have a bearing. But the point is, is what I see around the younger people who seem to be waking up that something is drastically wrong, I think I see a lot of them identify as conservative. So it would not surprise me to see conservatives be given the appearance that they're in charge now. But let's do one simple thing, everybody who's not buying what we're laying down. This is a mind spell. It's what it is. I don't it's a it's a spell. It's a red, blue spell, and it's designed to control you. That is the entire purpose of it. If you don't believe that, then simply sit back, wait for this election to happen and go ahead and send me an email when this election has improved our lives. I mean, I think that's where the rubber meets the road. What do you want to add before I wrap up hour one, Jason? We try to put this together to try to add something of value to people for hour number two.
1: Well, take this time to pay attention to what's going on. A lot of people do have a problem with the way things are going in uh, our government here in the United States, and uh, understandably so. But think about the way things are going and think about the control mechanisms that are probably behind the things that you're seeing being done now. It's pretty in your face these days. There's really no hiding that there are levers being pulled behind the scenes and that the people we're seeing on the public stage, they're really not effectual in any way, shape, or form. They're only
0: doing what they are told to do. They're like pieces on a chessboard. For my part, I think it is critically important that people quit joining groups. They've all been co-opted, even online where they're not people who have ever met each other. Even the little moles get in there and cause trouble. The most important thing you can do is to think for yourself. Don't let a group convince you how to think. Don't let a group put words in your mouth that are not your words, phrases in your mouth that are not your phrases. Think about what you know to be correct and think for yourself And. What we're talking about here is the opposite of that, and what it's led to is as divided a country as I think I've ever seen, and that means that people are not being respectful of one another. From my point of view, some of the highest ideals that I put forward for myself, and everybody knows how I do it, I try to get it as basic as I can. Because I can't think about complex things too much. So I make it more basic, more basic, more basic until I have a foundation that I can hold on to as strong as I can hold and stand on it. For me right now, my individual thoughts are, are boiled down to this. Love God with all your heart. Be the best that you can be and help others selflessly. That is my foundation of existence. And at no point do I allow the outside world to kick down one of their walls and insert their little ideas. And the reason for that is, is because look what's happened since the so-called information age. We've become more divided. We've become more disrespectful to one another. I'm just saying. But Jason, anything you want to add or should I wrap it?
1: Oh, let's wrap it. But we are going to pick up an hour or two with a quote from George Washington, a very important
0: quote. There's a lot more to add. The first hour is free to everybody at crow 77 radiocom crrow 777 radiocom If you're a member, you get Shoot the Moon, the movie for free, and you get access to the full two hours or two hour plus sometimes episodes. We'd love to have you over there, but it's entirely up to you. With that, I would like to wish you all sincerely, truly a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.